as we've entered into Advent, Hanukkah, and the Christmas season 2023, I'm personally reminded and remembering of all God's faithfulness to his people. As many of you know, the four weeks leading up to Christmas is known as Advent, and the primary themes of Advent are hope, faith, joy, peace, and love. During this season, many people personally and intentionally prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, the fulfillment of the promise of his manifest presence, and the expectation of his second coming. Now, the dictionary defines Advent as the arrival of a notable person, a thing, or an event. So as Christians, Advent is the expectation of Christ. Because of his birth, we now have an expectation and access into the presence of the holy, holy, holy God. The Jewish holiday of Hanukkah is a reminder that even in the darkest of moments, there is still light. May God's light shine through us each and every day. I love Matthew 5.16 when it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. And of course, Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3, is a great reminder to all of us. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come and see your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Today we find ourselves living in a time of many challenges of our faith. We are in need for the light in the darkness. We are in need that the Lord will once again fulfill his promises in our days. And through the most tragic and difficult of times, we can pray for healing and hope, peace, joy, and love. There are so many things in the world today that seems unsettling. And yet what a great opportunity in the midst of the fog, in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the wars of life, in the midst of the conflicts, that during Advent, Hanukkah, and Christmas, we can be reminded of the faithfulness of God, that He is a light in the midst of the darkness. He is the lighthouse that directs us through the storms. He is the lighthouse that leads us through the fog. He is one that guides us out of darkness. A little light brings light in the darkness. Let your light so shine before men that it would draw others close to our Father in heaven and bring glory to Him. Recently, I had an interview with Lou Engel, and we talked about on the hinge of history. And we look at history past, even during a very difficult and trying time in the days of Esther. And yet God called Esther to stand up and to speak on behalf of her people. And Mordecai encouraged her and came alongside, challenged her and encouraged her, fasted and prayed. And God, in a moment, turned everything around. We live in that kind of day today. So the interview today that you'll be listening to with Lou Engel on the hinge of history is a discussion of the vision that God's given him and so many others to gather a million voices of Esther's and Mordecai's for the days in which we live that would gather together on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement 2024 in Washington, D.C. Historically, there are moments, people, times, and places where the supernatural manifestation of God comes where there is a corporate call and desperation for the presence of God, for God's intervention. We live in one of those moments, just like the days of Esther. I pray that you're encouraged, challenged, provoked, inspired, as you hear Lou Engel share his vision for the gathering of a million Esthers and Mordecais in Washington, D.C. on Yom Kippur, 2024. Lou is carrying a great vision right now that I think is timely. 
not just because of the gathering of one day, but it's the culmination of years and decades of preparation for the days in which we're living now. I think we all would agree that there is a spirit of Haman that is out to destroy Israel, but destroy the church. And there's a spirit of death that has been unleashed, and we know it comes from the land of Persia. We know there's a direct link to that. Lou has a great vision to bring a million voices of Esthers and Mordecais. And we're at a place where in the culture in which we live, we cannot be afraid to speak the truth in love and season it with grace, but speak the truth nonetheless. Biblical masculinity is not insecure, but it actually it celebrates and cherishes the gifts of women. And so I think that there's a, a importance of men getting back to their place of recognizing God's call on them as well to be Mordecai's and to stand with the Esthers of the day. So good to have Lou. And Lou, I just want you to share, uh, Laura, all reds on the call as well, spiritual daughter of Lou's and mine, and and it's great to have everybody else on. But Lou, I just want you to share what God's put on your heart as we're gathering on Yom Kippur in Washington, D.C., with a million Esthers and, uh, and voices and Mordecai's that stand along with them. Thank you so much, Doug, and thank you all for being uh, hearing, hearing uh, my heart. And uh, it, uh, we're in such a significant, uh, sec- significant time, really, Doug. Uh, I remember how many years ago, Doug in Houston, you did that Psalm Assembly, and uh, I had already been gripped by the vision of Psalm Assemblies with Derek Prince's book, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. And uh, when I heard you and, uh, and what you did in Houston, I was so stirred, uniting the cities. It was one of the catalysts of my own personal journey to mobilize massive fasting and prayer in United Solemn Assemblies. I'm grateful for you, uh, Doug, and for you being a pioneer of these things. Uh, most of you know, but I give you a little bit of a, of a, of a backstory in 1999, I prayed a, a very crazy prayer. How could I turn America back to God? And that, that prayer was the defining prayer of my life. Everything issues and everything that I do have done for the last 20 some years have been under the shadow of that dominating prayer. Because well, a couple of weeks later, a woman came to me and she said, you don't know who I am, but the Lord pay, uh, told me to pay your salary this year because you're going to start something with the youth of American prayer that will change the destiny of the nation. She paid my salary 15 for 15 years. She's 100 years old, Doug, still alive, doesn't know who I am. But I'm wondering if God's keeping her alive to see maybe the great awakening, the great revival of America. I've never, as bad as things have gotten in America over the years, wondering has the call fulfilled its purpose? Seems like we're in a darker place in many ways than we ever have. I still believe the promises of God, and I believe that every one of the calls that we did, it was 20, 23 years ago, where, where the 400,000, 450,000 young people gathered in the mall in D.C., I believe I could be possibly in my final mobilization moment. I didn't see it coming. We ended the call in 2018, and I thought, that's it. It's, I, I, I've, I've had a, a run. But you know how God is. There's always another chapter to the story. And I still believe that what he launched supernaturally, he intends to fulfill it in some measure. And it brings me to uh, to this uh, remarkable uh, uh, prophetic storyline. And I, I simply ask you to judge it. And if it's God, then I think we really need 
to respond. It was in uh, was it 2014 where I was in a gathering in Virginia with a man named David Bradshaw, and uh, and a woman shared her story there in Fredericksburg, Virginia, where every morning she prays at a rock called Mary Washington's Rock, where every morning Mary Washington during the Revolutionary War prayed for her son George Washington. It was a mother praying for her son that maybe saved America. And when she shared that story, a prophetic explosion took place, lasted for about two hours. And this was the word. A million women are gonna go to the mall in DC. It will be the last stand. That's gotta be judged. It will be a last stand for America. And they will go in the spirit of Jeremiah chapter nine, Death is climbed through our windows, and they will come in travail, and they will give birth to a movement of salvation to the youth of America, and they will save the nation, a last stand, million women gathering to the mall. Mm-hmm. I've loved, lived, uh, again, under the shadow of that prophecy for, for since 2014. We held a gathering in 2017. But it was only the seed, I believe, of what we're beginning to touch right now. So then in 2017, something happened when witches rose up worldwide to curse President Trump. President Trump is, I I don't know what to think about him. I I don't know what you think about him. But you got to ask the question, why witches would rise up worldwide to curse him? And... Could it be that the spiritual realm understood that this man, which God gave me a calling to raise up a prayer movement for the ending of abortion, and could he, could the spirit realm have understood that he was a threat to the altar of of blood in the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade? 18 years, we prayed there for Roe v. Wade, and, and last year, Roe is no more. Not that the states have changed, or even the nation morally has changed. But since then, 32,000 babies have been saved. You've got to ask the question, what kind of deliverers are in that kind of 32,000 babies? I mean, 32,000 children saved. So in 2017, witches rose up to curse President Trump. So I went up to Estes Park in Colorado for five days to seek God, to fast and ask, Lord, is there anything you want me to do about this to raise up a prayer movement to restrain this? And uh, I go up there on the third day. Um, on the third day, my wife said some people call it, uh, she found it, call it Esther's Park. I have a dream on the third night, and as far as I could see, women are coming from everywhere, young and old, particularly teenagers I was struck. And they were all coming to hear the book of Esther be taught. And it was, all I could say is I remember very clearly saying, oh my goodness, this is a revival. This is a buzz. This is an Esther revival. And in the dream, I'm the only one there, only man there with my prayer partner. He gives me an ancient Bible that I didn't understand at the time, but I do now. I believe he was giving me an ancient calling to be a Mordecai, to mobilize what I'm actually looking at. A massive Esther movement to save America 
and to stand for Israel in the darkest days. And so here I'm looking at this. A woman stands up in the dream and she says, and these two words in the book of Esther actually mean Nazgul, N-A-Z-G-U-L. I exploded out of the dream instantly knowing what it meant because I watched the Lord of the Rings, the third part of the movie, where the Nazgul witch king is destroying the armies of men and says, no man can kill me. But in the, in the movie, the king's daughter takes off her helmet, lets her hair down, and says, I am no man. And she pierces the Nazgul and destroys. I wake up like in an explosion. I know what it means. God is going to raise up a movement of women, Esther's, mothers, teenage young ladies, who will go in the spirit of Esther, and they can turn a nation. They can save a nation, similar to the 2014 uh, vision and prophetic word that took place. So since 2017, again, I've been praying concerning this Esther movement this coming. And then in 2017 or so, and now uh, Laura Allred and my spiritual daughters, we've been carrying this for years. But something happened uh, in the fullness of time that God had never released the big go, Laura, in our hearts to go for this thing. It wasn't time. And then in 2017, a woman named Jenny Donnelly in Portland, God spoke to her, you're going to raise up a million praying women. I didn't know who she was, but people begin to tell her about this guy, Lou Engel, that's got a similar vision. 2020, God began to speak to her. They're going to, these million women are going to go to the mall in D.C. And um, we begin to hear about one another. She held a gathering in Estes Park, not knowing my gathering, that my experience. I didn't go because I didn't know who she was. But she was going to talk about this million women from Estes Park, Esther's Park. When we connected in 2022, uh, 1,500 women in Portland in a, in a tent. I stepped into a fire pot of revival. There are people fast more than I do. The fasting ladies, and I, I trust those who fast and pray. And uh, we begin to connect together and, and dream about this together. And then <laughs> something happened. Then, But we just didn't push go at the moment. Then I was flying in April, on April 13th, flying to Pasadena for Cheon's conference where they commissioned leaders and apostles. And I was flying there, and I was reading a book by Mark Batterson called Chasing the Lion. It's a brilliant book on uh, seizing your divine moment and destiny. And I come to one statement that says there comes a moment of time, a defining moment, when one day is too late or one day is too early. There comes a moment when you must push go and risk everything and at that point, the Lord spoke to me, you do not have tomorrow. You must push go on the women, uh, on the women going to the mall in D.C. It's right now. You don't have money. You don't have staff. But you must push go this very moment. You don't have tomorrow. I'm weeping on the plane. It was a similar encounter what happened to me when the Lord said, you'll raise up a prayer movement for the ending of abortion. Uh, that was in 2003, flying on a plane preaching about a uh, uh, reading about Wilberforce. So I'm having this encounter. I have to pick up another plane. I get in the plane. I'm sitting in the window seat and I pray this living God. This cannot be a Democrat Republican thing. 
This has got to be Lord of mom, mothers, African-American mothers gathering to cry out for their children because death has climbed to our windows. Please confirm to me today that, you, that you're going to gather the African-American mothers. Next to me, I'm sitting in the seat. A, a black lady comes in, sits next to me. She's reading a book, and I'm praying, God, raise up these African-American esters. She's reading a book, and I turn to her and said, excuse me, ma'am, what book are you reading? I couldn't see the title. She turns it around. The Esther anointing. I was like in shock and awe, and I knew the Lord was saying, it's every mom, every mama bear, everything crying out for their children. And so it was one of those moments. I got to the meeting that night, and I didn't realize that Cheon was commissioning that night Jenny Donnelly, this woman from Portland, commissioning into her leadership calling for America. And he's commissioned her. And I'm thinking, this is so sovereign what's going on. My wife texts us and says, oh, it's 413, Lou. It's not just April 413. It's Esther 413. And Mordecai said to Esther, do not think that you can hide in, hide in your palaces. If you remain silent for such a time as this, you know, God will raise up someone else. And it was just struck me the next morning. I preached on 414, Esther 414, for such a time as this. Cindy Jacobs was in the meeting. She begins to erupt. The mama bears are going to come and fight for their children. And at that moment, the vision, the, mo the movement began. I go on. I, picked, I, I read a book by Francis Frangipane. Francis Frangipane wrote a book called This Day We Fight from the Lord of the Rings. And he says this. He says, I looked for a, a prayer movement before every revival, and I found one except only one I couldn't find. It was the Jesus movement of the 70s. There wasn't a, there wasn't a, a prayer movement that he could find. So he asked the Lord, why wasn't there a prayer movement? And the Lord spoke to him, and he writes about it in the book, and he says, oh, I had my prayer movement. The Mothers of America were losing their children to the countercultural revolution of the 60s. And I raised up, and he says, a million women to cry out for their children, and I answered them with the revival of the 70s. When I read that, I said, God, we're in a far worse revolution, cultural revolution, than they were in the 60s. If there was ever a time for women to travail and bring forth their children, it's now. Could we be birthing a time of a great awakening that I believe and we all believe is still coming to America, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit beyond what we've ever known or imagined? With that in mind, Bob Jones had given me a word, prophet, that it, it, he had, a, it, he had a, a trance vision in 1989 of 100,000 LGBTQ saved and transformed by the power of God. He said to me, Lou, there are eagles that fly in the heavens that get revelation. But you, but without the, the wild geese flying in the formation in the second heavens, the manifestation of the eagle's dreams will not be manifested. He, he said, Lou, your tribe are the wild geese. It's your assignment the prophecy is wait is hanging for an intercessor. And basically he said, Lou, this is your assignment. I've been praying for this vision of a hundred thousand LGBT to be saved. This is a giant 
that has been taunting the armies of the living God. And it's not just now that, it's the transgender issue that is a Haman-like decree that is being released over America, the horror stories that are taking place in our education systems and all. I don't we believe we have another year. I believe we're coming to a last stand moment that if the church doesn't stand like Esther in fasting and prayer, but not just fasting and prayer, going public, taking a stand, because we have to, we, we can't hide in our palaces, in our safety of our home schools. They're coming for our children. And this is the thing that's gripped me. So the beginning of this year, we went and fasted 40 days. We fasted for uh, 100,000 LGBTQ to be saved and transformed by the power of God because of this word from Bob Jones. I was going at, at, before that, uh, at the end of that fast, I, I went to bed one night and I said, Lord, Lord, you gave us divine revelation. Pam, you remember the life tape that gave us an entrance by revelation into the Supreme Court and the ending of Roe v. Wade. But now, Lord, if I'm your friend, Lord, I'm asking you to give me the revelation that will give us a breakthrough, a hundred thousand LGBTQ safe. Please give me a dream tonight. I have a dream and it's two words, but it's an explosion. And the dream is this Delta factor. I, I explode out of the dream, not knowing what it means, but I knew it was the Lord. So I said, Lord, I don't know what Delta factor means, but please, if I'm your friend, would you give me another dream and tell me what Delta factor means? I go back to sleep and I get a dream. And in this dream, a, a, a high level military officer is walking by me in a hallway and I and he, he, maybe he's a general. You could feel strength and kindness in him. And I turned to him and I said, excuse me, sir, what's the Delta factor? He says, it's the leader of a million. I woke up and I realized the Lord was saying, give me a, a give me a million women and I will release a change factor. Delta in the Greek alphabet means change. I will lose a change factor to the travail of a million women. And, and he was encouraging me, encouraging Jenny. And even on this phone call, I'm believing there is a Delta factor even in this very whirlwind that's going on right now. A Delta factor of Mordecai's and Esther's that will fight and restrain Haman ideologies that are coming to our children, our schools, taking away parental rights and the like. With that, there is a movement out of Bethel called Changed, and it is testimonies of hundreds of people that are becoming out of the LGBTQ lifestyle. What if what the hippies were to the 60s, the LGBT could be to the Jesus movement of our time? This is what we're believing for, and it's in the womb of a million women crying out for their children and taking a stand for, for uh, righteousness. So this is how it, how it is uh, uh, unfolded for me. When I, I felt very drawn, because for 20 years we've had dreams concerning something called the Great Communion Revival. I think there's dimensions of the blood that we have not yet explored of authority over the demonic powers, the accuser of the brethren with the Jews. The Jew and Gentile, the wall of hostility, they overcame him by the blood. So we've been living and praying concerning this communion revival. And I felt drawn 
to say, Lord, when do you want me to go and mobilize a million women on the mall? I felt like the Lord spoke to me the day of atonement, October 12th, where this, the blood is not just applied to individuals. It is applied to national guilt. What if a million women, their husbands and even children, were making a mainly a call for women, but we're calling them every man a Mordecai? What if a million people would take communion on that mall and they would plead the blood of Jesus at the mercy seat to loose, to rip the veil because the day of atonement is when the veil is removed. Could God give us a removal of the veil? I didn't ask for this mobilization. I, I didn't think I ever wanted to do a massive gathering again, except I, I feel like we've been apprehended by it. And, and I'm still saying, Lord, as long as you've given me assignments, I'm going to believe the dream you gave to me 24 years ago, 23 years ago, in which I was overwhelmed with the impossibility of seeing America turn back to God. But a scroll rolled down before me. And in the scroll, it read Luke 1, 17. He shall go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And in the dream, it said the rebellious to the wisdom of the righteous. I woke up and I felt the Lord said, what I'm pouring out is stronger than the rebellion. If we don't get a mass of revival and awakening, there's no hope for America. And so this, it, I, I'm not saying I'm Elijah. I just think the call had the dimensions of fasting, calling it repentance. And now maybe we've come to where a million men went to the mall of promise keepers. A half a million kids went to the mall. Maybe it's time for the mamas to go and fight for the soul of this nation. Just a couple more things. I want to thank you for letting me share this vision. Uh, when I was in Israel at the Wailing Wall, I believe God is raising up this Esther movement, not just for America, but also for Israel at such a time as this. I was literally there at the Wailing Wall, halfway behind from the Wailing Wall to that backside plaza. There's a little fence there that divides the two sections. I was sitting in a white chair, little plastic white chair. They were just there and one about three feet away from me, just uh, facing me. I'm just sitting there praying and a girl, a Jewish girl walks up and sits in the seat. And for five minutes, it just, she's just looking at me. And I'm thinking, what is, what, why is she looking at me? This beautiful Jewish girl. I said, excuse me, uh, what's your name? She says, I'm Hadassah. Wow. I'm Hadassah. We have a conversation. I talked with her about Yeshua. She said, we don't believe in Yeshua. But, but I begin to talk about Israel and God's love for and our love for Israel. I begin weeping. She says, you have a true spirit of a Jew. And then she said, I said, oh, and Esther Hadassah was named Esther, which she saved her people. And she said to me, I want to save my people, but I have no one to save me. Wow. And I knew at that moment that God was going to raise up Gentile Esthers that will save salvation of Israel and be a protection in the days of great anti-Semitism. So after the call, the Azusa Now, Sean Bolt's prophetic guy gave me a, a dream. And in the dream, I was standing in front of the wailing, we were standing in front of the wailing wall. And each 
of the stones in the wailing wall had a marking and they were each of the calls that we had held were on markings of that stone. And he said, Lou, you're defacing the wailing wall, the sacred places. And I said, no, this is my prayer wall. And three construction worker angels were in the dream, cut three slats, put hinges. I pulled the hinges and I said, it was never meant to be a wall. It was meant to be a door. I know that we raised up a wall of prayer for the ending of abortion. We've raised, we're raising up a wall of prayer for the LGBT and the transgender. Uh, Jewish guys came into IHOP years ago, walked into IHOP. I was there. They walked up to me and they said, your lion is abortion. Your, be your, uh, your bear is the homosexual movement, but your Goliath will be the battle for Jerusalem. I feel like we're moving into that prayer wall. And uh, uh, a Jewish gal named Nava Niebuhr, a Jewish gal, her husband heard me talk about the uh, million on the mall. And, she, and he said, it's not just a million on the mall. It's a million Esthers on the wall. We are even right now launching an app where we're believing that a million Esthers will virtually pray in front of that wall day and night for the salvation of Israel. I'm seeing this as a divine connection for the Esthers for America and the Esthers for, for Israel. We're calling a three-day Esther fast, April 11th through the 13th. That, and calling people to go to their capitals at that time. You can go to uh, Don't Mess With Our Kids. Don't Mess With Our Kids. Jenny Darnley has, and myself have been captured by what happened in Peru. 2015-16, the government of Peru was putting uh, threats on the church, on the people, that if you don't allow your kids to use pronouns, literally, or going to transitions, we can remove your children from you. And something happened where their leader on a television program was interviewed about this vision of don't mess with our kids. They said, well, you can go to jail for this. And he says, take me to jail, but there'll be a million others who will also go to the jail. We're taking a stand, throw us in jail, but we're not going to we're no longer going to compromise on the issue. In the image of God, he made a man, male and female. A millions went to the streets, though. Millions went to the streets. It started a spiritual revolution and a reformation revolution where literally the two leaders of, a, of the nation were removed from office and George Soros pulled out, out of Peru said, we are wasting our money here. We can't do anything. When the Peruvian guys got a hold of us, we were shocked by this vision. And we felt the Lord begin to speak to us concerning this. It's not enough for Esther to fast and pray. She must take a public stand. Just like Esther in the Bible had to take a public stand and risk her life. We're, gonna, we're believing that a movement is going to begin. And it's not an angry protest. It's basically a statement that Esther's are going to go into their school boards. We're going to run for school boards. We're going to take a stand. We're not going to be influenced by the, the culture. And there's something called Don't Mess With Our Kids that you could go to and hear a, the whole storyline from, from Jenny Donnelly. And so this is kind of where we're at at this point. We're seeking to mobilize. It's impossible with men. Doug, I'm so far out of my league on this thing. And, and yet, 
I just said, Lord, we're going to just blow the trumpet. If it's 100,000 and 900,000 get on the line, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, how we do the prophetic. It's always a challenge, more so these days than ever before. But I just know this. I can't pick and choose what assignments God has given me to turn a nation back to God. And I'm so happy for you to listen to my story here today. And maybe we could call a million Mordecais, mobilize their women into their destinies, into their callings, into the high places of government, mobilize our women and fund them to go to D.C. and go with them. This is the dream, October 12th, 10-12, Daniel 10-12, from the first day you set your face. Many of us are entering into months of fasting, daring to believe that God will give us the great revival. One last thing, sorry, but not too sorry. I had a dream during, you know, you, you, you just got to test all this stuff, but our world has been... We have dreams and we pray the dreams. But I had a dream uh, the January 6th uh, time when the, all the chaos. I had a dream that I'm the president of the United States. Now that, that's a disaster. <laughs> that would be worse than Biden. <laughs> Sorry, whatever. But I know it was symbolic and I believe it was this. What's going on in January 6th, all that's going on. I want my church to gain spiritual authority to those who overcome Jezebel, the transgender, the sexual immorality. I'll give them authority over the nations. I feel like the Lord said, Lou, I want you to believe for spiritual authority. I fasted 40 days on water in, uh, in, in 2002, and we saw the governor of California removed the, uh, begin to be removed impeached the day after the call San Francisco. I warned Gavin Newsom in San Francisco, he was the mayor of San Francisco, that he would be held accountable for everything he does. He's being groomed for the presidency. I'm wondering if there's coming an Elijah Jezebel showdown right now. It's Esther and Elijah. We're in those days. But in the dream, there was a massive gathering on the mall. I couldn't see them. I just knew they were there in my administration was in full-blown chaos, which I think that's kind of where we're at right now. And in this dream, I didn't know what to say, but my assistant said, you need to speak to all these people. And in the dream, I said, I don't know what to say. So I lifted my hands, and the whole crowd begins chanting, revival, revival, revival. I wonder if we're in a daze that God could shift. I have to be very careful. I have to be careful, but I'll just... I won't say it. My wife is saying, don't say it. And my granddaughter here is saying, don't say it. <laughs> give me a tea. Give me a tea. Say hi to everybody. Hi. She hi. was saying, don't say it. Don't say it. Anyway, I felt like, could something shift elections to the choice of God's purpose? Could we get reformation? And could we be in the catalyst of what I saw, an Esther revival? to save a nation. Thanks for listening. That's the story. I really sense that there are providential moments, times, people, and places that are defining. It'll be 12 years next year. So in 2012, that Laura did the 21-day walk from the Houston abortion clinic to Dallas on Good Friday, you facilitated what was called the Esther call. It'll be 12 years ago in 2024. 
Wow. And when I began to think about that in Revelation, because you mentioned this, in Revelation, it, the number 12 represents heavens, perfection, authority. But I was also thinking about Matthew chapter 9 with the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. And when she grabbed a hold of the hems of the garments, the tzitzi, the, the very dangling tassels on the hems of his garment, she was healed instantly because virtue was released. Could it be that what was happening 12 years ago, uh, will be 12 years ago next year, is that culmination moment where we have a million voices crying out for the hems of the Lord's garment and the Mordecai's come alongside. And then I was thinking about in 2001, prior to 9-11, before that happened, the global celebration of women were actually gathering in Houston at the historic Astrodome back then. And they were expecting nearly 70,000 women to come from around the world. And there was all the Christian women's organizations that were facilitating it. And then, of course, 9-11 happened, and many could not make it because of the airlines and shutdowns, but still thousands were there. And as I was sharing, as they asked me and Angram Lots and others to share, I just stood up and said, I believe this is a troubled pregnancy, but the birth will come. And I thought of Isaiah 37 with Hezekiah. Oh. He said, this is a day of trouble and distress because the children are ready to come forth but there's no strength to bring them forth. And I've said since then, it takes men who are secure in their identity in Christ, who are not intimidated by the gifts of women, but we cherish them, we celebrate them, because in a natural birth, it takes strength to help the women to bring forth the birth. And I believe it's going to take men, Mordecai's, who are strong enough in their relationship with the Lord to help birth and to help give strength to bring forth a move of God, and for this next generation to come into its destiny. So I do believe that what you're doing is not by accident, like you did the Esther call in 2012, and of course, Laura with the 21 days and the 39 young women that walked from Houston all the way to Dallas and got there on that Good Friday weekend. There's no insignificance with God or accidents. So I do believe that the number 12, from that moment to 2024, 12 years, and the, the issue of blood of the woman in Matthew chapter 9, the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years of bleeding. But I believe that God's about to bring forth his promises and his plan as we do our part to give strength to deliver. Can I just say, so this is amazing. I've not heard this, Doug. Uh, what happened with Laura, we were in Dallas just uh, several months ago, and people were praying over her. A pastor was praying over her, and I prayed that very moment, Lord, Laura has been used by God to, to do the, 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 the walk, the Houston, the largest abortion clinic in America, in Houston, walked all the way to the issue of blood, abortion. And uh, Lord, I prayed just a few months ago, Lord, have this pastor just right now decide to pay her salary. Mm. I prayed it that moment. He says, the Lord just spoke to me to pay Laura's salary for a whole year wow. to help her mobilize this movement. To me, that's, that's a remarkable statement. And I didn't put it together. Uh, I didn't put it together. The twelves. The second thing is Doug, you, you connected with those women of the world, uh, the women, the, the, 
Well, the women, Doug, I, I want to probably I'm putting you on the spot. But I think you could be a Mordecai, even way beyond my anointing to mobilize. Because you touch with your calling and compassion. You touch everyone. You're known and loved by everyone. I'm wondering if you could, we, we could regather those women that came to Houston, uh, whatever, if there would be, that you would pray about actually being a Delta factor, a leader of a million, just saying, because I, because I, I, I know you. Anyway, I just thought I'd just bring it to you. Because I'm a charismatic crazy man. I'm I, I, I only trusted so far. But, 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 but Doug, you're trusted by all. I just say it. Thank you for letting me say it. Now you all heard me. <laughs> well, Laura, would you want to just share some things on your thoughts here as you actually stepped away from your position at your church to be a part of this for the next year? And of course, you carry it as a the daughter of, of Lou Engel and, of course, a spiritual daughter of mine as well. So just share some of your thoughts and then how can people help mobilize? How can get more information? And by the way, for those in the Houston area, I've already contacted a few of you. Uh, we're going to be getting with Lou January the 20th, uh, Saturday, and he'll be in town that weekend. So, uh, Laura? It's also a full circle moment for me as um, Doug is is a spiritual father of mine long time and, and Lou as well. I've walked um, closely with these two men as fathers. So it's just a privilege and honor. It's like a full circle moment to have you all here. Um, I was a young adult pastor most recently at our church, Trinity Church here in Cedar Hill. I'm probably the oldest young adult pastor ever. I'm almost 50 years old. And I'm like, these kids do not want me to be their young adult pastor, you know, like um, their mom's age, but the last four years as I've been um, deep in um, this generation and really experiencing and hearing firsthand what they're contending against. It's different seeing a news article or a headline, but then when you walk with young adults who have been raised in the house of God, but are being tormented by the spirit of this age, um, often in the last three years, what the Lord has resurrected in me is the gift of tears and travail, which is exactly one of the major hallmarks for this movement is Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 17. And it begins with this. It says, consider, and it's exactly what Lou has laid out for us. Sorry, let me try to compose myself so you can actually understand me. <laughs> you know, it's what Lou has laid out in this vision and he's submitted it before you to consider, is this the critical moment in our nation that we need to do the next part of the verse that says, call for the mourners, for the wailing women to come and to weep for us. And as I've been a young adult pastor for the last three years, the Lord's unlocked this gift of tears. It's Jeremiah 9, 17. But then Jeremiah goes on to say this, and he says, let them weep for us that our eyes may be filled with tears. 
And he's calling on the women to travail and to weep for the state of the nation because that travail is going to unlock an awakening and a travail in the rest of the nation. And I believe that, you know, as we've dealt in the body of Christ with disillusionment and setbacks and whatever, many of the intercessors have gotten off the wall and we've stopped travailing and potentially even believing that America could be turned back to God. But this host of wailing women, I believe is going to unlock something in our nation. So I just, I, I, my heart is just really started with this. And also when we jump down in that same portion, I've been gripped by Jeremiah 9, 21, that says death has climbed in through our windows. And as a young adult pastor, these last four years, I have seen that spirit coming into our young adults, coming into our homes. These kids that are dealing with same-sex attraction and gender confusion are not young adults that are coming off of the streets and getting saved. These are kids that have been raised in the house of God. Death has surely climbed in through our windows. And as I was doing a word search on it, um, that word to cut off our children from the streets and young men from the squares. You know, I was at the very, I'm a Gen Xer. Any other Gen Xers? <laughs> We're, I feel like, probably the last generation to play, to ride our bikes down the streets. You're thinking about my mom's generation. You know, children have always been free to just run and to play. It's just a sign of innocence, right? And this spirit, this Ishtar ideological, ideological principality has come for the children even back in Jeremiah's time. But it's just a picture of robbing innocence. That's what it's saying. It's removing the innocence and the identity from our children. And that word cut off literally means to cut off body parts. And it's the same principality, the ancient principality that has sought to use our children as sacrifices through abortion, the blood hungry, to make a false covenant with our bodies, this trans transgender movement. It's an ideology that we have got to contend and pull down in the spirit. So I, um, I just want to say that this is an urgent season and we need, if we're going to gather a million women, we're going to turn the tide of our nation. We need your uh, support. We need you to just be an early adopter and say, I am all in. I'm going to wield my influence and my spheres of influence um, to be a part of this. So I just believe that those of you that are hearing the call today that even maybe God's going to have you adjust your ministry schedules to throw everything you have at this. I believe if you're feeling that stirring and that call right now in this moment, God will work all the details out for you just as he has for me. So Thank you, Papa Lou. Um, ways that you can get involved. If you, I know many of you are leaders here. If you have some mobilization ideas, if you want to invite me or or you have a conference and you want Lou to come or or you have mobilization ideas, my email address is there, lara at louingle.com. Please reach out to me. Um, a millionwomen.org is there as well. But um, I just want to say, Lou, for those of you that are in the Houston area, I see many of you. It's good to see so many old friends. Mike, uh, good to see so many of you guys on here. Um, if you're in the Houston area, there is a conference June 18th 
through the 20th in Bellevue down in the Beaumont area. It's called Crowned Conference. The registration is free. Papa Lou will be speaking to Haviland, um, Jenny Donnelly, and many, many others. I will also put that link in the chat that you can register. Um, but we're hoping to also do some other gatherings there while Lou's in town. Thank you for hearing our heart. Thank you for responding to the Spirit's tug even now with your yes. And uh, love you, Papa Doug. And for those that are on there, it's actually closer to Houston and Baytown than it is to Beaumont. For those in the greater Houston area, that'd be a great place to go. It's Mont Bellevue. It's literally connected shoulder to shoulder with Baytown. Women, I'd encourage you if you're in the region to go and to register there. Is there any other comments or, or suggestions before we get off this call? When it was mentioned about the men being a part to, you know, to help with the birthing, I'm just going to throw this out there, but we just celebrated my oldest daughter's birthday the other day, and she was born in my bedroom uh, 38 years ago. We had a midwife, but she was very late. And so essentially, I delivered her, I weighed her, I cleaned her, and then I had a hard time giving her up, but I handed her over to my beautiful wife so she could feed her. We just celebrated that on December 1st. And as soon as Lou was saying that, I realized that that's, that's part of a picture that God wants for men. Not just to do that literal, even though for me it was, because I helped with all of them, but this was more than I had planned. I believe that we'll pray and believe that God will raise up men to help in this process and really be humble the way we need to be and to serve and to lift them up and to take our proper place together in being Mordecai's and Esther's. David, I totally agree. We've wrestled. We want to make it a clear Esther women's sound. But Esther without Mordecai and Mordecai without Esther. This cannot be a me too a separation of genders. This is family. And you think about Mordecai. One man decides to resist the spirit of Haman, the spirit of Amalek. One man sets off a global a genocidal assault on the Jews. He is the man that initiated because he was willing to take a stand. Secondly, he moved with an adoption. He had the heart of a father. He adopts an Esther. Then not only that, He's the mobilizer of the massive fast. Esther commanded him to, fa to mobilize fasting and prayer and to pray for the Esthers, the handmaidens, Esther and, and her handmaidens. And then because of his obedience, becomes the prime minister, second to the highest, to the king. Mordecai was a giant. So we're shouting this, every man a Mordecai. Right now, we're, being, we're working to mobilize 300 women with 80 of, of spiritual daughters connected to, to, to Laura and myself and others, uh, 80 women who will be preachers. We're commissioning them to go and preach in churches, youth groups, wherever, and to mobilize all the... I would, Noah, I see you on there. Uh, Noah, you're dreaming dreams for New England. We're holding a, a great communion gathering in Massachusetts. I don't know if you know about it. In, on Purim. We believe that God wants the blood to be poured out over New England. But guys like Noah, with your history, you're, you're a Mordecai. I, I'm asking that Mordecai's would rise up and basically take on 
the same burden that I am carrying because if it's the last stand, there's no future. And that's, the, that's a challenging thought. Well, the last stand. But what if it's true? They say this. The transgender movement, feminist researcher, said this. She said, the nation that adopts, uh, the generation that adopts transgenderism historically collapses within that generation. I think we're at that point. I will say what I said. I believe that Bill Clinton, I felt like the Lord said it to me the other day. Every stage was an open door. Bill Clinton and Hillary were the abortion president. They blew it out all over the world. When President Obama, on the anniversary of Stonewall, put the colors on the White House, I believe a door was open, a gate was open. I'm not just speaking against them. I'm talking about how leaders open gates. Then the third this year, President Obama, the woman of the world was a trans, uh, women of the earth, the, the woman was a transgender woman. We have transgender uh, cabinet. I'm just simply saying we're on a slide that if it's not stopped now, I don't think we have a future. And if it is a last stand, if it was a true word, then I'm daring to believe that God is going to give us the greatest awakening and raise up Esther's and Mordecai's in high places. So I totally agree with you, David. Can I command you? Can I summon you? Be a Mordecai. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, going all, I, I'm going all out. I got no other shot on this one. <laughs> well, David, I'd like you to draft that in, in writing so we can share that. That's a great picture. And Laura, Lou, thank you so much for taking the time and, and encouraging us. I'm going to have Marlene Yo, who's somebody cares New England, and her daughter is also, Bethany is also a daughter of Lou's and mine. And Marlene, I think it'd be significant from your generation as well. And if you would just close us out in prayer, make any final comments. For New England, I just want you to know, I just came up here and said to Lou, I'm watching downstairs while I have grandkids. You need to have Marlene Yo share. And then I said, Noah Wells is on there and Christopher Daigle. They're the New England people we know, but love to everyone. Go Marlene. <laughs> Father, I thank you for the clarion call that's being given to this nation. Lord, I pray that you would awaken the sleeping giant of your people. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that the religious spirit that causes people to be lulled to sleep, the religious spirit that causes people to be negligent to the things of God and to fasting. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you would awaken us. God, that you would awaken your church to hear the call that's coming straight from the heart of the Father for this nation. Lord, we ask in Jesus name awaken your people Lord awaken yes. them Father, yes. and that we would come to the place of saying yes Lord let it be done unto me according to your word as Mary said father do whatever it is God to be able to save a nation one woman gave birth to a child that brought salvation to the nation of the world. God, we're asking that you would raise up men and women of God that hear the clarion call and will give themselves to prayer and fasting and to see you move in our nation once again, Lord. We're asking it in the name of Jesus. Yes. And Lord, we're believing, Father, that your promises are yes and amen, and you have not forgotten our nation. Lord, all of the prophetic words and the sum total of what you have spoken over this nation, Lord, the culmination of it, Father, may it be realized in this generation. And Lord, may we see the salvation of our God, and may you move in great power, and may our children be rescued out of the jaws of the lion. And God, may you be glorified and honored, and may the fear of the Lord come upon this nation and your church once again. And we ask Amen. it in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the blood covering 
over Lou and Therese and the families and Pastor Doug and Lisa and their families, Lord, every person that is putting their hand to the plow, putting their heart on the line, putting their bodies on the line as a living sacrifice. God, I thank you the blood covenant protects and keeps us and that God, that you would cause victory to come. May your name be glorified and honored in this nation once again, yes. in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray that as we gather, even the, the process is not on October 12th. The journey has already begun. It's the fulfillment of the things that you've already called forth. We're bringing the things you've done in landmarks of the past, bring it to the context of the present, and taking us to this journey, Lord, where we will see with our eyes yes, Lord. Uh, your purposes and plans that were far beyond what our capacity is. Just like Jehoshaphat, the battle is yours and not yes, ours. Lord. Yes, but Lord. we yield to you. And Lord, like the woman with the issue of blood, when Jesus said, who touched me? And even though all the thousands were out there thronging him, there to hear him, see him, you knew the difference between those who are just gathering versus those who are pressing in. Yes. So I'm praying, Lord, that you would gather a million plus voices of Esther's and the Mordecai's to support them. Lord, to undergird them, to give strength to deliver that, Lord, we would not just do so just to be a part of a gathering, but we would do so out of desperation of soul and heart, recognizing the battle for the soul of a generation. And I pray, Lord God, that we would not just gather to hear, but we would press in to touch the hems of your garment. Yes. Virtue would be released, and heaven's power would be released upon this generation that would see with our eyes the transformation that only you can bring and no person, no man, no woman, no organization, no political leader would be those who touch the glory. But Lord, we that we use the resources you give us, but your glory would come. Let us see you, Lord. Let us know you, that we might know your ways, and we can then handle your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And Lou, thank again, you. thank you so much for being obedient, consistent, steadfast. And uh, we will join and stand with you and we'll all process how we can get more involved. And I think all the men here are saying yes. We'll be Mordecai's. Ladies, we want you to know that we cherish you. We value you. We celebrate you and recognize in Christ that we're going to see the outpouring of God's presence. The, the Ruach of God will show up and we'll see the dunamis power of God released in ways we haven't seen, but we've only been praying for. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.